0: Well, I'm going to just jump right into it. Um, we're going to start meeting at 9:30s on Sunday mornings, and service starts at 10.30, so that'll be great. Some people, I think, still think it's 9.45 this morning, so they might be coming in a little bit later. But I'm going to do my best to start on time so we can have a full 45 minutes, 9.30 to 10.15. Really enjoyed the questions and answers last Sunday. We covered a lot of scriptures and that last Sunday. Just hit a lot of things, so I think it's gonna, it'll help a lot of people. This morning, I want to share some thoughts on how, basically, how to preach the gospel of grace, how to preach the gospel of grace, how to teach the gospel of grace. Um, And I want to address primarily a, a fallacy, I think, or wrong thinking that's prevalent in the church today, and that is that you have to put people under law first before you can preach grace, that you have to... You have to bring them to a place of seeing their utter sinfulness under the law before you can bring them to a revelation of the grace of God in Christ. And that is a prevalent teaching in the body of Christ. And it's a practice that is going on in the body of Christ where re- tr- reaching the unbelievers and reaching out to the lost, there's a thinking that we have to put them under law first. And that, isn't that true? And have them see how sinful they are before they can receive the grace of God. Now, it sounds logical. It, it sounds logical. Um, and so, and you know, we've got famous preachers in our history. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, his famous message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, is a, a famous, famous sermon that is used by preachers and pastors and has been for centuries. Um, I guess centuries, he spoke that in the 16th, 17th century, 17th, 18th century maybe. But uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, um, this kind of thinking that we need to put people uh, in fear before they can receive the grace of God. And I believe we're going to see in Scripture that that is totally false, and it's one of the reasons why um, not more have come into the kingdom. Um, because, you know, we do it God's way, we get God's results. And we do it man's way, and we get man's results. Um, so let's, let's take a look at that. I think you'll be really encouraged to see what, what the Lord, how the Lord taught Peter. God taught Peter how to preach the gospel. It's so cool. Um, and then if we have time, I'd like to look at see what, how Paul preached the gospel and what he said or what he did not say. It's so cool. Okay, let's cool. I mean, let's pray. That's cool. <laughs> Let's be cool. Let's enter the cool zone. <laughs> Lord, we thank you so much that you're helping us see heavenly things. It's, you're so approachable, so open, such an open heaven we have. No fear for perfect love. Unconditional love has cast out all fear. Lord, thank you for the union we have in you. Thank you for that reality that we have really passed from death and into life. And that we are no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. We are no longer of Adam, but of Christ. No longer from below, but from above. Lord, thank you for this awesome work that you've already accomplished. You did it and you sat down. You purged us from all our sins and sat down on the right hand of God, right hand of the majesty on high. For all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in you, Lord. And now we are complete and full in you. And you are the head over all rule and all authority. And no one can pass sentence on us and judge us because you are the head and you are over all rule and all authority. Who shall bring any charge to God's people? For Christ died, took away our sin. For Christ reconciled us. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself. The whole (laughs) world unto himself. Not counting their sins against them anymore. Thank you, Lord, that you're the final word. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that raises itself in condemnation, you shall condemn. For your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And this is your inheritance. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's take a look at this. Let's go to the book of Acts, please. The book of Acts. And what I want to look at specifically is how God spoke to Peter about how to see the world. How to see the the unbelieving world. And what Peter did and said is really cool. So let's just jump right into it. Um, Acts chapter 10. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Hey, Carol. Good morning. Hey, Robert. Acts chapter 10. We're talking about, we're talking about how to preach the gospel of grace. We're talking about how it is a it is wrong thinking to think that we have to put people under law before we can preach grace. Jesus did not send us out to preach first the old covenant then the new covenant. He didn't pre- he didn't send us out to preach the bad news and then the good news. He sent us out to preach the good news. He sent us out to preach the new covenant. It's awesome. Okay, here we go. Chapter 10 of the book of Acts. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Now, this man, Cornelius, is a Gentile. He's in the Roman army. He's a centurion. He's a Gentile. And you see the phrase uh, feared God or God fearers, you'll see it in the book of Acts. That's a reference to the Gentiles who, are, who, have, who believe in the God of Israel. They're not Jewish, they're not Jews, but they believe that this is the, they, they do have the true God. The Jews do have the true God. So a Gentile who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was called a God fearer or one who fears God. And that simply means one who respects and honors and reveres the God of Israel's words as being truth. So here's a Gentile, and he is one who has given alms to the, to the Jewish people. Um, he, in other words, he loves the Jewish people. He, he recognizes this is God's people, and he blesses them. with. Uh, he's known as one who blesses the, the Jewish people. He prays continually. Now, he's an unbeliever in terms of he's not born of the Spirit. This is very cool to see this. He's, he's not born of the Spirit yet, but he's a man who wants God. And he recognizes the God of Israel as the true God. And he recognizes God's people. And he wants to bless God's people. This is, a, this is cool what, what happens here. Okay. Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day. When you see a reference to the ninth hour, that's their time begins at 6 a.m. So the ninth hour is 3 in the afternoon. At The ninth hour is 3 in the afternoon. So at 3 in the afternoon, because the Jewish thinking is sunrise and sunset, the day begins at sunset. Their, their day begins at sunset and then the uh, say at 6 p.m. roughly, and then the next morning begins at 6 a.m., so the, the day begins at 6 a.m., and so the ninth hour of the day would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um. So about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, it's, it's cool that he said, "What is it, Lord?" Because see, angels are messengers of God. They speak the, the words of God. It's so cool. So he was aware of the presence of the Lord, even though was, there was an angel standing in front of him speaking. And the angel said, "Your prayers and your alms, your gifts, have ascended as a memorial before God." Isn't that awesome? God recognizes the the unbelievers' love toward people and their prayers. This this throw this fall this. This flies in the face of a lot of teaching out there that said, God will not hear the prayer of the unrighteous. He, this, these are unbelievers. And ghost prayers have come before God as a memorial to him. Isn't that cool? He, he has, he, he has uh, well, let's go. Verse 5. Now dispatch, he said, and the angel is speaking. And the angel says, now dispatch some men to Joppa. And send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. I love that. So precise. Because he told him the, the name of the person, what he does for a living, and where his house is. Because everybody would know the tanner by the sea, the name is Simon. is <laughs> cool? Verse 7, So when the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. This centurion had soldiers and attendants. He was well known. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. I always read that verse and think, after he explained to his soldiers that he saw an angel, they probably went, The old man is getting crazy. You know, let's go to Joppa. He wants us to go to Joppa. Let's go. Verse 9, on the next day, as they were on their way approaching the city, this is the city of Joppa, or Jaffa. this is, this is present-day Tel Aviv, by the way, it's south of Tel Aviv, it's a little village south of Tel Aviv. On the next day, as they were on their way approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Now, the sixth hour would be what time? Right, 12 noon. So 12 noon, he gets on top of the house. They had the flat roofs in those days, and they would get on top of that roof and, uh, and go to get away from the hustle and bustle of getting things ready for dinner or whatever in the city and just get away and get time of quiet and pray, which it's cool to see a custom of the disciples to do that, to get on the roof and pray. I love that. If I ever build a new house, I'm going to have a flat roof at some point. I really am. I'm going to have a little part of the roof where it's flat, where I can go up there by a the stair's. And get above the trees and stuff, and especially at night under the stars, I think it'd be so cool. I can see you'd have some ficus trees up there and stuff. It'd be cool. That'd be be so cool. Just have a place to get away. Okay. Okay. Verse ten. But he became hungry because you know it's lunchtime. He became hungry, and he was desiring to eat. He was thinking about going downstairs probably and getting something to eat for lunch. But while, they were making pre- but while they were making preparations downstairs, you know, getting ready for lunch, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky opened and an object like a great sheet, sheet referring to like a white sheet, a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners, the corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures or reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. The word kill there in the Greek is also can be translated sacrifice. Sacrifice and eat. In other words, as, as a, the Jews would sacrifice the lamb or the, the ram or whatever, they'd eat part of the sacrifice. Well, these were unclean animals. You would never use these for a sacrifice. And you never would eat them as a Jew. This is like, you know, the, the, uh, the, the pigs and the shrimp and the, you know, things that are unclean animals. You don't eat this stuff. Okay. So here he goes. So the voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy this happened three times. Immediately, and and immediately after three times. Three times the voice spoke this. Arise, Peter, kill and eat what God has cleansed. No longer consider unholy. Arise, Peter, kill and eat what God has cleansed. No longer consider unholy. Arise, Peter, kill and eat what God has cleansed. No longer consider unholy. It lifted up three times, three speaks of emphasis, obviously, but it also speaks of a revelation. There's a revealing of something very important. When you see three in the scriptures, three things, there's a revealing of something. that's very important. The three, the number three is a key. So here's verse um, 16. The object was taken up into the sky. Remember, it came down from the sky and went back to the sky. The Four Corners speaks of the four corners of the world, north, south, east, and west. It talks about the cleansing of the whole world. All the unclean, all the unholiness of the world, all the sin of the world has been cleansed. The whole world. Awesome. Verse 17. Now when Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, might be behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius having asked directions for Simon's house appeared at the gate and calling out. They were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. Now they had those courtyards in those days. They had a courtyard and the gate. So you had to go through a gate to get to the courtyard. But you could see the house off from the courtyard and they were standing at the gate and they, were, and they shouted, is Peter there? Is there a man named Peter there? And so they said, well, yeah, Peter's Peter's here. Who are you? You know, come on in. All right. Then he goes, well, Peter was reflecting on the vision. He's on the top of the roof. Now the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you, but go up, go downstairs and or get up, get up and go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings. For I have sent them myself. I love that. I have sent them myself. That's the Lord speaking. Verse 21, Peter went down to the men and said, behold, I am the one you were looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man. There it is. Righteous and God-fearing man refers to a Gentile who had joined himself to the God of Israel. Well-spoken. He was well-spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. In other words, the Jews recognize he loves the Jewish people. He's well-spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. He, didn't, he doesn't mistreat us. He's a Roman in power, but he doesn't mistreat us. He loves us. He's, he's a good man. And he, was, and he was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. This is so cool. See, the angel did not preach the gospel because it's, it's ordained of men that men preach the gospel. Men must preach the gospel. Angels are messengers that assist, ministers of the heirs of the promise. Angels assist us and bring messages from God to us, but the gospel must be preached by men. So cool. Verse 23. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. The sons of God. See, the sons of God speak of his father. The sons and daughters of God speak of... Of the Christ, okay. This is, I think this is very cool. He invited them in and gave them lodging. Well, this is the beginning of a huge shift in Peter's thinking. He would never, never give lodging to a Gentile. He would never. He's not supposed to even be with them, or visit them, or have any association with them. Much less let them sleep with them in their home and feed them. So this is the beginning of a major change in Peter's thinking about the world. He invited them in and gave them lodging. That's also cool. I think this verse is cool because. Um, here they come all the way from Caesarea, which is, um, I guess it's probably about 40, 50 miles north, maybe 60 nor- miles north of Joppa. So they came in 12 noon. He's at the top of the roof. They come in. So you're looking at early afternoon. They're talking about all this. So they know the sun's going to be setting soon. I, I love the way that the, how practical they are because, I mean, here is an angel sent us to come to you. A vision from God, Peter has just had, but he's not all unpractical about it. It's you know, it's getting late. Come in, we'll have lodging. We'll start in the morning. Isn't that cool? So it's common. It's common sense. I love the common sense of the of Peter that says, "No, this is not good. It's going to be dark soon. It's not good to be walking on the road in dark in the darkness, you know, with thieves and so forth." So let's stay the night. And we'll start in the morning. See, it's spiritual to be common sense. Have common sense. Isn't that cool? It's, it's wisdom to have common sense. It's, it's so cool. Um, instead of being all stressed out, no, oh, we've got to go now. I mean, an angel. I mean, you know, I had a vision. we got to go now. We've got to go now. No, no, just relax. It's so cool. Okay, verse... Uh, so he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day, he got up and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. I love that. He, they, he brought some brothers with him. And, and that was to be... Important for witnesses of what's going to happen. Verse 24. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. His relatives and his close friends were all in the house. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am just a man. Isn't that cool? Stand up. And as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or a Gentile or to visit him, even to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. And I want to ask you today, has God shown you? Has God shown you yet? What he showed Peter. He says, God has shown me. That I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Is that awesome? If anybody has a problem with you not wanting to call anybody unholy or unclean, you can say, God has shown me. God has shown me that I am not to call any man unholy or unclean. Isn't that beautiful? From God's perspective, God was in in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself. From God's perspective, the whole world has been cleansed. Now, we're talking today about how to preach the gospel of grace. We're talking today about how it's a fallacy to this teaching out there that says you've got to put people under law first before you preach grace. You've got to show them how, what a dirty sinner they are first before they'll appreciate grace. That's, a, that's widely taught in the body of Christ out there. But we're going to see what Peter, how, Peter, how God taught Peter to preach the gospel of grace. How did God teach Peter to preach the gospel of grace? And he's preaching to Gentiles, to the world. And so the first thing he does, first thing he does to prepare Peter to preach the gospel of grace to the world is he tells Peter, I want you to have a new perspective on the world. I want you to see the people you're speaking to differently. One of the reasons we don't see, I believe there's two, three reasons why I believe we're not seeing as many people being born of the spirit and coming into the kingdom is because the person preaching is not preaching in faith. For the people, they're not seeing them already cleansed as they speak. They're not seeing the work already accomplished as they speak. And they think that fear is the answer as opposed to speaking with a twinkle in your eye and a smile on your face to to bring the good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. It's very important. It's very important how we see the people we speak to, how we see the world, how we see the people in the grocery store, how we see the people at the bank, how we see people in the at football games and all. Do we look at them and 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 uh, do we despise them? Do we despise the one with the tattoos all over him? And do we despise? Do we look down our nose at people that outwardly just don't? You clearly they're not believers. You know, look how they're dressed with. Look what they're saying, how they're acting. Do we despise them in our heart? Do we, you know, in our minds, do we despise them? I tell you, the one thing that the reason the crowds came to Jesus, they were, they were attracted to him because he, coming from him, was a look, was a, was a smile, was a, was a presence of complete acceptance. It's what, it's what astounded the people. I mean the the uh, it's what made the the prostitute. I love that scene. I think I've said this before in Jesus of Nazareth, where Mary Magdalene, you know, she just finished, you know, with a with a guy as a prostitute, and he's paying her money, and he leaves, and he says something about maybe you could hear, maybe you could help be helped by this man Jesus. I hear he's on teaching at the the hill up here the, out of, outside the city, and she said, "Oh, go out, of here, get out of here," you know. And so then he, she's thinking about, I think I'll go. And so she wraps her covers her face because she's considered a prostitute and people look down on her and so she's, she goes to hear him speak and she sees the crowds coming and he's standing on the, the hill. This is where he feeds the 5,000 and, and there's not enough food and the disciples, you know the whole thing about the food and not enough bread and and so he says, bring, bring the loaves and fishes to me. That's also a, such a cool scene there because you know what? If the scripture says, the way they did that, the scripture says that they, they kept bringing the um the bread um the the uh the bread to jesus jesus would would break the bread and hand it to them they kept coming back to him for more is what i'm saying in other words they brought the fishes and the the two loaves and the fishes to jesus he didn't give he didn't give them 12 baskets and multiply the baskets and and they just went out the scripture says they kept coming back to jesus the source. They came back to the source. They would come they would come to him and he would have the he would have the the, the bread and the fish already with his hands, putting them in the baskets. They would take the basket and where'd he get that? You know? And then and then and then they would give it out. The basket would be empty, and they would go back and he would have more and they would fill the basket again and he's like and they kept going back and forth. Twelve, the twelve would go back and forth. It was like this, back and forth. He was the source. Isn't that cool? But that's a whole other message. But that's, that's, what, um, that's what was actually happening. That's how it happened, the scripture says. Okay, so Mary Magdalene, I love this scene because Mary Magdalene, she she's, feels totally rejected. She hates herself. People despise her. And she's there, and she gets a piece of the bread. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And she starts to bite in the bread, and she just starts to weep. Remember that scene? great scene she bites into the bread and immediately starts to cry she can't even swallow It awesome the crowds were drawn to him the the religious people said no man ever spoke like this what was he talking about no man ever spoke like this such acceptance such a such hope When he spoke, he he didn't point people back to themselves like the prophets did to get right with God. Um, He didn't talk about the judgment coming and repent because judgment is coming. He didn't talk like the prophets talked. He said, come to me. No man could ever say that. Only God in the flesh could say that. The Son of God said, come to me. Don't be afraid. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me, believe only, come to me. And that's why they said no man ever spoke like that because no man could ever say those things. And no man had that sense of of great acceptance. So what I'm saying is that that's a big part of the spirit of God in us. As we bring the message of Jesus to the world, Ken and I were talking the other day. This is what really sparked me on bringing this message today because Ken and I were talking the other day. And he said, you know, we just need to introduce people to Jesus. We just need to introduce people to Jesus. It's not complicated. It's not religious. That's so right on. That's so right on. We just need to introduce people to Jesus. And that's what Peter does here. It's awesome. We did that this morning walking. The two of us, we always pray together. And uh, it was because a couple years ago you said, if I had an altar call, it would be so completely different. And I, I've been musing on that. And I said, well, well, even this week, I said, now, what would I say? Came to me. And it was so easy. Awesome. In fact, the guy was on the wrong side of the street because he he crossed over in 434, and then he had to cross back. So God just <laughs> put him on our fishing line, and he was distraught. His wife was taking the hospital during the night, and mm. it was bubbling out of me, rivers of water. And Robert prayed, and, and we told him, you've it enough time. God has works for you to... Good works for you to walk, and he's prepared them for you. You wasted your life so far. You and your wife—this was a turnaround. Your wife is in the hospital; she's healed. And it said, when you go there, be verified. I mean, it was just awesome, awesome. By. And uh, awesome. I said, can my husband pray for you? And, and he, he, prayed for he was so hungry. Healing for his wife. Yes, yes, yes. Man, that's that's so awesome. I don't, I don't know if he was a Christian or it didn't right. Matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. That's right. He, he, he took it. He'll take it from there. That's right. He took it. Jesus says, he who receives you in my name receives me. He'll take it from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's so easy. It's so simple. It's so easy. Because I've been illuminated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You are illuminated. That's awesome. That is so awesome. You know, and then, and I like, I'm glad you brought up the point about the, you know, how we, the invitation we give to people and all. It's so true. See, that's, it's, it's really, it's not about. It's, it's really not. We'll, see, well, we'll see in a minute how Peter did it. But it's not about asking Jesus into your heart or making him Lord of your life. These kind of things that you hear invitations, you know, make Jesus Lord of your life. You know, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not something to believe. And that's not really good news. Because I can't make him Lord of my life. I can't, I've been trying to do that. Say people, people, I've been trying to do that, but I can't. So that's not even good news, really. You know, that's not the gospel. That's not the power. The, that's not where the power is. Okay, let's see where the power is. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Carol. So cool. It's simple. It's easy. It's not hard. God made this so easy. Okay. Um, where were we? Twenty-nine. Okay, cool. Verse twenty-nine. That is why I came, without even raising any objection when I was sent for you. So I ask for what reason you have sent for me. It's interesting. He asks. He doesn't assume anything. He wants to hear it from them. What? Why did? God, why did the angel send for me? And then he says. Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, which is three in the afternoon. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms, your gifts have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Look how, look how gentle Cornelius says, you have been kind enough to come. So it tells you a lot about the man. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Okay, this is so cool. They are wide open. Like Jack said in the lobby coming in here, he said, we're all ears. That's what they were. They were all ears. His relatives, his friends, whatever Peter said, they were going to hear it as if Jesus himself, as if God himself was speaking to them. This is so cool. Now watch this. Oh, yeah. And by the way, that is also one of the reasons why we don't see the results or not the not results, but the fruit in the preaching of the gospel. Once again, Ken and I were talking about this a while back. But Paul said this. Paul said that when we preach the gospel to you, you received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God which works effectually in you who believe. So that's, the, that's on the people's part. The people need to realize that this is not just men speaking this. This is not just our opinion of grace. This is not as a flavor of, of the new covenant. This is not a flavor of Christianity. This is the word of God. The finished work of Christ is the word of God. This grace is not, not our gospel. It is the gospel. It's not, you know, people sometimes say to me, well, your, your gospel is, I'm going, no, it's the gospel. It's what Paul preached. It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? So it's really important. And these people heard it as if the word of God was speaking to them. And, and it works effectually in those who believe receiving it as from God. Isn't that cool? And that doesn't mean you listen to everything a man says as if that's from God without checking it out either. Because, you know, I'm big on search the scriptures to see if these things be so. But once you search the scriptures to see if these things be so and they're so, receive it as the word of God. Just like that word we just read. What God has cleansed, no longer call unholy. That's the word of God. That's that's directly from heaven to Peter and now to us. As Clark, I love way Clark says, don't fight against the word of God. Don't fight against, don't resist the truth as it comes. You know, let it, let it reorder our the, theology. Let it reorder our thinking. Let it reorder the world's way of looking at things and religion's way of looking at things. Let it, let it receive the word of God, which is able to, to renew our minds and see as God sees. Isn't that cool? It'll change the way we see people, the way we see ourselves, the way we speak. It'll release the power of life as we speak. It'll release a power in our words. They'll be attracted to us. They'll, be, they'll feel accepted in our presence. All those things that they felt around Jesus and around the apostles now that they got a clue about how to do this. Cool. Okay. Verse 34. So opening his mouth, Peter said, okay, as we read this, let's see if Peter puts them under law first. These are Gentiles. Let's see if Peter puts them under law first or in fear first before he, puts them, or before he proclaims the grace of God and, and the good news. Let's see what he says here. Or does he just simply, in, as Ken says, introduce them to Jesus? Verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And what he's saying here is that God recognizes people that are reaching for him. See, it's not not this cold, sterile theology that says all your righteousness is filthy rags. God doesn't recognize anything you do. You know, it's cold and sterile. No, God sees people reaching for him. Even the prayers of the unbeliever come to him. Isn't that cool? Yes. Their prayers and their alms are, will never get them in heaven. That's why he sent for Peter. So they could hear words. They could hear a revelation that they might believe. But God recognizes. The, the scripture says that, that um, we, we, um, the world reaches for him, though he be not far from any of us. Groping for him. He sees that. He sees it. He sees the pain. He sees men groping for him. It's not this cold, sterile theology that says, no, if you're not righteous in Christ, God doesn't see you, doesn't recognize you. No, 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 no. No, he feels, the. P- he looked over the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He saw them and said they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was hurt by them. He saw they were, they were, they were in darkness. They had no knowledge of his father. He saw over the masses and said they are like sheep without a shepherd he feels it he senses it see and God senses it when when uh, when people reach for him okay then then he goes verse 36 and here he goes Peter begins the word which he sent to the sons of Israel or the the Greek can be translated the message the message preaching peace through Jesus Christ he is Lord of all he starts with peace. peace 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 Peace, peace, peace. Oh, I love it. For unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I bring you glad tidings of great joy, the angel said at his birth, preaching peace. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. See, all of this was well known in the area. They knew about this this one who claimed to be the Messiah. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen before him by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of Him all the prophets bear witness that through His name everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. Awesome. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Spirit is recording this for us to show us the point of power. This is the point of power. When you see people, as God sees them, already cleansed, already forgiven, and you go with the spirit of acceptance and this great spirit of grace, and you introduce them to Jesus, he didn't talk anything about Moses, or anything about the law, or anything about their sin. It was about him. He, you know about him. You know he was, God was with him. You've heard about the miracles. You heard what he did, but they crucified him, but God raised him from the dead, we saw him, we ate with him. He's the one that all the prophets give witness that if you believe on him, you shall receive the forgiveness, 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 forgiveness for all sins. Awesome, the Spirit took those words. And it says in verse 44, "...while Peter was still speaking these words, the words of forgiveness through faith in this Christ, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers, meaning the Jews, who came with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also." For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. They were like exalting the work of God, just like at Pentecost, the same Spirit. Then Peter answered and said, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can we? Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay home for a few more days. Awesome! I think when Peter asked that question, because he had some brothers with him that were, like, skeptical. And Peter said, surely no one probably looked over to, say, Simeon or something. And he said, he's, or not Simeon, his name is Sim but uh, say Levi. He looked over at Levi and said, surely no one can forbid these for receiving water baptism. You know, Levi's over there. I'm not sure about the Gentiles coming in, but he was the witness. It happened. Wow. You know? This is so cool. Now, look at this real quick. You want to see what was happening in the invisible real quick on this moment in this moment? It's so cool. Look at Acts 15. Peter is in Jerusalem in Acts 15, and they're having this big meeting, this big meeting about Gentiles coming into the covenant of grace. Oh my gosh, what time is it? Oh, we've got to wrap it up. We'll do, a, we'll do a part two next Sunday on this because I really want to bring in some more things that are really encouraging. Cool. But look at this, so cool, real quick, Acts 15. Peter is talking to the, Paul was there, Barnabas, the leaders in Jerusalem, Acts 15. They're talking about the Gentiles coming into the faith. And he recounts what happened here in Cornelius' house. Now, this is what Peter says. And verse 7, chapter 15, verse 7. After there had been much debate... Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by, that by my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. See, God, who knows the heart. He saw faith in their heart. They had been prepared by the angel. They were there to hear all that Peter had to say. God who sees the heart, they heard the message. The moment God saw faith in the heart, he gave them the spirit, cleansing their hearts by faith. You see it? And so Peter says, look, God saw their heart. They didn't even say a word. They didn't pray the prayer. They didn't do anything. They just... God who sees the heart, they believed when they heard the message and God gave them the spirit, just like He gave to us. And then he says, now, why, why are you putting, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples, he's talking about the law here, a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they also. And all the people kept silent. And they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's continue this. The Lord, the Lord willing, let's continue this next Sunday. There's some more things in this that Peter has Peter preached to the Gentiles. That's going to be so cool. And then, you know, we're to, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at what Paul said, how Paul preached to the Jews. It's interesting. Recorded in the book of Acts is Peter's message to the Gentiles, although he was called to the Jew. In Galatians, he's called to the Jew. And then it's Paul's message is in there when he spoke to the Jewish brothers in a synagogue. What he, how he preached the gospel to the Jews, even though he's called to the Gentiles. Wow. Isn't that cool? So we're going to see how Peter preached and how Paul preached. And see how God taught Peter and Paul to preach his gospel. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much for the simplicity of Christ. Oh, Lord, thank you for the grace of God. Thank you we have good news to share to people. Help us see as you see the world. You, you have reconciled the whole world unto yourself. They they need only receive. They need only receive the gift for the work is finished. You're not to die again. It's over. Help us see clearly this good news that we might preach it to others and teach it to others. Thank you Father. Thank you for the spirit of acceptance, the spirit of grace.